Welcome to Smart Poker Study, the podcast dedicated to helping you play more effectively, earn more money, and be 1% better every day. I'm your host, Sky Matsuhashi. In last week's episode number 255, I discussed the top 20 starting poker hands and I gave you my cash game ranges. It's poker study time, y'all. Hello and welcome to episode 256 of the Smart Poker Study Podcast. So my name is Sky, and if it's your first time here, thanks for joining. Uh, You have to subscribe because I have super good, super incredible, super powerful poker uh, strategy episodes dropping every single week. Make sure you subscribe in just whatever your favorite podcatcher is. Because this is the place for growing your poker skills with practical tips, advice, and action steps. Because... (gasps) Action is the greatest teacher. And for you repeat visitors, thank you so much for coming back. Thank for staying. Thank you for staying subscribed. Thanks for your tweets. Thanks for your emails. All that jazz. I appreciate all of it. So today I'm talking about calling preflop raises. Uh, a few different things here. We're going to talk about what calling does and how it influences your preflop and postflop situation. Next, I'll discuss my kiss cash game two bet calling ranges. Lastly, I'll give you reasons to narrow and maybe expand your ranges as well. But before we get to all of that, I want to take an opportunity to let you know that the Smart Poker Study podcast is brought to you by The Poker Forge. It's my new membership site. It's called The Poker Forge because just like a blacksmith takes a raw piece of metal and through hard work he forms it into something useful and beautiful, that's exactly what we're doing. Through focused efforts both on and off the felt, Poker Forge members are forming themselves into beautiful winning poker players. Members get access to a growing library of strategy videos and resources that cover everything that you need to become a winning poker player. And this month, we're diving really, really deep into those pre-flop hand selection decisions. And soon, this is really interesting, I'm happy to announce it here, my first course is going to be released, and members will get it for free. I haven't even told my members that yet. Everyone's going to hear about that in this podcast. So members, well, if you're not a member, get in on this action, right? Go to thepokerforge.com in order to become a member. And all you current members, stay members. <laughs> Stay subscribed, I guess. I don't know. Just continue your membership because very soon that new course is going to be launching. So the pokerforge.com is the place to be. It's a no-brainer. It's like warming up before your poker session. You just got to do it. So head on over to the pokerforge.com to check it out and to join today. Alrighty, let's get to those calling preflop raise strategies. Please visit the show notes page for everything I discussed today. www.smartpokerstudy.com slash pod256. And on that page, you can sign up for the weekly boost for exclusive poker strategy direct to your inbox. Okay, let's rock and a roll, sweet Susie. Gambate! And now for our feature presentation. So have you ever thought about the potential situation you're putting yourself into when you call somebody's open raise pre-flop? Now, sometimes we simply look at our two cards and we say, hey, lovely, King Jack suited. That's good to see the flop with, right? Eh, I call. If that's as far as your calling thought process goes, you're probably losing money when you're calling pre-flop. I challenge you. Yep, yep, a challenge right at the beginning of the episode. So I want you to run a specific filter in your Poker 4 database right now. And it's a very simple one. 
call the preflop two bet. That's it, making that call preflop and make sure you run in all the different positions, right? So just set your uh, your statistics tab up for by position. Now, once you run this report, if you're like most losing or break-even online poker players, you're gonna see a sea of red right here. Your overall win rate might be negative, maybe negative 150 big blinds per 100 hands or even worse. So if your win rate is negative 150, that means that you're losing 1.5 big blinds on average every single time you call. If you've called 5,000 times this past year, holy cow, that's 5,000 times 1.5. You've lost 7,500 big blinds this year by calling pre-flop. Now, if your win rate in the non-blind positions, if that's worse than zero, you would have been better off folding every single hand. Now, I challenge you to take action, run that filter, and see how much you're losing when calling. Now, in the show notes page, there's a screenshot of the preflop calling results of one of my weaker opponents. In the MP, the cutoff, and the button, they've called 102 times, and they've lost $21.39 total. If they would have folded all of those hands instead, and that includes all the winning hands where they flop two pair and even flop to set, right? They would have lost zero. And because a penny saved is a penny earned in poker, their bottom line would be $21.39 richer right now. Now that's the non-blind positions for this particular caller. Uh, but what about calling from the blinds? So if you fold every single small blind, so you're never calling, never three betting, never limping either, your win rate would be negative 50 big blinds per 100 hands or negative 0.5 big blinds for every small blind hand that you're dealt because you're just folding them all and giving up that 0.5 big blinds, right? If your win rate is worse than negative 50, you would have been better off folding every single small blind hand, even all the winning hands that you played. Now, if you fold every big blind, what is your big blind win rate? Yep, you guessed it, negative 100 big blinds per 100 hands or negative one big blind every time you're dealt and folded that hand in the big blind. So if your win rate is worse than negative 100, <gasps> again, you would have been better off folding every single one of your big blind hands, even the winning ones. So what can we do to help stem these losses when calling? The simple answer is make better calls. So how can we make better calls? In order to make better calls, you need to understand the situation that you're getting into. And in order to understand that situation, we've got to talk about what happens when you call a raise pre-flop. So let's lay down an example situation where calling might seem like a good play, but it exposes you to some downsides and a potentially money-losing situation. Here's the situation. You're in the cutoff at a full ring table and you look down at King Jack suited. This is in your normal cutoff calling range. Under the gun limps in, under the gun plus one folds, under the gun plus two folds, and then MP1 also folds. But MP2, or the hijack, they raise to three big blinds. You choose to call three big blinds with that king jack suited. Now the total pot is 8.5 big blinds, including the limper and the blinds. The remaining players are the button, who is a fish, and they like to call a lot, an aggressive small blind three better, and an aggressive big blind three better who seems to love squeeze three betting. So that's the situation right there. The few things that happens when you make this call with the king jack. Your call builds the pot, which entices other people to call. This often leads to those multi-way pots where each successive caller 
they mathematically need less equity to make a break-even call. Because they need less equity, the opponents will be calling with wider and weaker ranges. This is going to make post-flop more difficult to earn the pot by bluffing, or make it more difficult to get a lot of value out of your opponents. The more players in the pot, the more landmines you have to dodge. So in our example here, if the button calls, it sweetens the pot for the limper to call, and you'll potentially see a four-way flop or even more if the blinds choose to call. Also, when you call, you cap your range. Yep, and I'm sure you've heard that expression plenty of times before. When you just call the raise, you're telling them that you don't have aces or kings, nor all the other hands that you normally 3-bet with. Sure, you could be suckering them in, but you know you're not, right? So in our example situation, calling is telling the remaining players and the limper, along with the raiser, that you don't have a hand good enough to 3-bet. So what else happens when you call? Your call entices 3-betters to squeeze. The open raiser could be on a wide range or a tight range based on their tendencies, but at least they have premium hands in their range. They have the aces, the kings, the queens, the ace-king, of course. But you as the caller, you don't! Remember, you capped your range. You told them you don't have aces or kings. So because your range is weak and it's capped, and the open raiser still has to contend with you after they choose to call against a 3-bet squeeze, the squeezer has a great opportunity to easily take down the pot pre-flop. So in our example, you have two loose aggressives in the blinds who like 3-betting. So you're opening yourself up to calling, then folding, or calling and then calling again a larger bet with your non-premium king-jack suited. Another thing that happens when you call, you give your opponent bread and butter. So bread and butter poker is when you are the pre-flop raiser, in position against one or two players. When you call from the blinds, you're giving the raiser bread and butter you're allowing them to be in the best money-making situation that poker has to offer. This is why we must limit our calls out of the blinds. It's not your job to defend against their steals to make it mathematically unprofitable. Instead, it's your job to make the most positive EV decisions possible, and giving somebody bread and butter is most of the time negative EV. In our example, your call isn't giving them bread and butter because you're in the MP, but for all the reasons listed already, it might be a negative EV call to make, even though you have position. And also, calling pre-flop means that your opponent has initiative on the flop, which means they have the opportunity to put more pressure on you with a flop continuation bet. You're on the defensive now! Normally, the caller will check to the raiser, then fold versus a c-bet, or fold versus a c-bet when they're in position. But let's say you don't bluff raise, nor do you fold, but you just call their c-bet instead. Now you've given them another opportunity on the turn to put more pressure on you with a double barrel c-bet. In our example, before you call with king-jack suited, look at the raiser's c-bet percentage when out of position. Do this to help you plan for post-flop play. And after the break, I'll hit you with my recommended pre-flop calling ranges. I love audiobooks, so I'm a super big fan of Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash smartpokerstudy. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from, and of course they have my two books, How to Study Poker Volume 1, Volume 2, and my third book, Preflop Online Poker. It's all there, waiting for your beautiful little ears to take it in. So to start learning from audiobooks, 
Get your free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash smartpokerstudy. And just a few shout outs today, Matt Leibowitz and Dale Silver both picked up Poker Tracker 4 through my affiliate link. They went to smartpokerstudy.com slash pokertracker4. When you go there, you can see everything that Poker Tracker 4 offers. The leak tracker, the track in the database, the HUD, the filters, the reports, all that stuff is right there for you to check out. Once you get the lowdown on what Poker Tracker 4 has to offer, I guarantee you're going to make the purchase. It's the best poker tracking software. So thanks again, Matt and Dale. And because you guys purchased through my link, I sent you my smart HUD. And of course, to dive a little bit more into the smart hud shaggy barbara newton and andy fails all purchased the smart hud directly from me they already had poker tracker 4 but they were missing the best hud in the business so they went to smartpokerstudy.com slash smart hud checked out what that hud is all about how you can use it to exploit your opponents they saw the value in it and then shebang they made the purchase thank you very much shaggy barbara and andy all righty let's get back to class poker people So I want to give you my KISS 2-bet calling ranges. Now, there are 11 ranges in total uh, when it comes to calling because I divided them up by position versus other open raising positions. So for example, you can call in the early positions versus an early position raise. But on the button, you can call versus an EP raise or a cutoff raise. In the small blind, you can call versus an EP raise, a cutoff raise, and a button raise. Now, if you go to the show notes page, I have screenshots for each of these ranges there. But I'm not going to just rattle off all the ranges right now with all those hands. It's going to be too freaking boring. Instead, I'm going to discuss the smallest calling range and the largest calling range. Everything else falls in between these two based on your position and the open raiser's position. So the smallest calling range is only 3%, and it's made up of pocket queens through pocket eights, ace-queen suited, and king-queen suited. This is the range that you would call from the small blind versus an early position open raise. Now, I'm sure you can see why this is the smallest calling range. You're in the worst position, and for the most part, people open raise very tight and strong ranges from the early position. So you don't want to be calling too wide. Now for the widest calling range, this is when you're in the big blind versus a small blind open raise. It's a 13% range, and it's made up of pocket nines through pocket deuces, ace-10 suited through ace-8 suited, ace-10 offsuit, king-jack and king-10, queen-jack and queen-10, jack-10 suited through 8-7 suited, jack-9 suited through 9-7 suited, and jack-10 offsuit. This is the widest range because in a big blind versus small blind confrontation, you have that post-flop position, and the SB open raiser often has a very wide range. Plus, with nobody else involved, your call ends the action so you don't have to worry about folding versus a 3-bet. Alright, so let's talk about reasons to narrow your calling range. There's actually 7 really good reasons to narrow them. Reason number 1 is that you're currently losing a lot of money when you're calling 2-bets. So you ran that filter earlier and you found out, oh my gosh, I see a sea of red, I'm totally losing. So, if you're not following ranges currently... Find some ranges to follow like my KISS cash game ranges or start tightening up and call less often to avoid money losing situations. And let's say you're currently playing ranges and you're using my KISS calling ranges, but you're still losing. You need to tighten up even more. If I recommend calling 6% in the cutoff, drop it to 3%. 
If I recommend calling 13%, go ahead and drop it to 6%. Maybe the hands that you're calling aren't the issue. Maybe it's the fact that you make poor decisions post-flop as the pre-flop caller. So work to rectify this by getting to the flop less often as the caller. Reason number two to narrow your calling ranges is when there's a high squeeze risk. So if you can foresee a three bet squeeze coming your way and you would hate to face it, just don't call. Reason number three to narrow your range, you're up against a very nitty open razor. They have small and strong ranges, so you don't wanna call with dominated hands. If they're only raising with ace, king, and ace, queen, then calling with ace, jack, or worse, is negative EV. Reason number four to narrow your ranges is when you're facing larger bets. So those larger bets give worse pot odds, so your hand needs to be stronger to profitably call. Reason number five, multiple prior callers. So those multi-way pots, they're harder to win unless you strike gold in them. Reason number six to narrow your range, facing a post-flop aggressive player from out of position. So you know that the open raiser loves to barrel when in position, and sometimes even triple barrel. Fold instead of calling, and don't give them that bread and butter opportunity, nor the opportunity to throw loads of aggression in your face. And the seventh reason to narrow your calling ranges is when you're just unsure. So if you're ever in doubt about the profitability of making a call, just fold the hand and tag it for review. All right, now there's only four reasons to widen your calling range. Reason number one is your last to act. So when you're last to act, you know the exact pot odds being offered and there's no three bet to worry about. Reason number two, you're in position against a loose aggressive opener. So those lags have wide open raising ranges. So you can call with more hands and having position totally helps. Reason number three, facing smaller bets. Smaller bets mean greater pot odds. So you can call with more speculative hands in these situations. And reason number four to widen your calling range is the opener has post-flop weaknesses you can exploit. So if you can read them well and you know how to exploit them post-flop, it's a great situation to put yourself in. I challenge you. <laughs> it's leak plugging time, y'all. So I want you to figure out the changes that you need to make when calling in order to turn this into a profitable play. Do you need to decrease calling in the blinds only? Or is it poor button and big blind calling decisions that are causing you losses? Is it every position? So you have to make a change and narrow all your ranges across the board? Whatever it is, do it now because a penny saved is a penny earned. So cutting losses leads to bottom line growth. Now I challenge you to take action. Alrighty, make sure you head on over to smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 256 for the show notes and any related links for this week's episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I will be back next week with a brand new Q&A. If you enjoyed the episode today, I invite you to check out thepokerforge.com. This is the essential resource for any poker player at any stage of the game, especially if you want to improve your pre-flop game, because that's what we're all about this month in the Poker Forge. We've got that growing video library, guided action steps, quizzes, live monthly Q&As, exclusive bonus videos here and there, which I released one last week and I'll probably be releasing one next week. We also have a supportive and active poker community. The Poker Forge is the perfect place for you to up your game. So check out thepokerforge.com. 
And don't forget for you English-speaking Alexa users, my new skill called Daily Poker Tips is available for you in the United States, Canada, the UK, Australia, and India. So get in on this. You'll get a 30-second poker tip every day during your flash briefing. Until next time, study smart, play much, and make your next session the best one yet. Thank you.